1: The world works in mysterious ways, and sometimes, when long-running cold cases seem like they'll never be solved, something pops up that can finally bring closure. These cases on this list are scary and sad, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel, because at least they were solved. Welcome, guys, to our Patreon-only exclusive patrons episode. Try to find some stories you guys have never heard of, so I hope you enjoy it. Here are five cold cases solved in unexpected ways. Number five, Sarah Lynn Wineski. In May of 2005, the Ronald McDonald House at 702 8th Avenue South in Petersburg, Florida, became the scene of a horrifying discovery. Underneath an abandoned deck lay the lifeless body of Sarah Lynn Wineski 49-year-old transient woman who had met an untimely and brutal death. Sarah moved to St. Petersburg from Sarasota just weeks before. A resident nearby would later report hearing chilling screams on the eve of the gruesome discovery, a haunting testament to the final terrifying moments of Vaneski's life. She had been beaten, raped, and then strangled. But there were no eyewitnesses. And likely, because she was homeless, this case quickly went cold. But eight years later, in 2013, police believed they had found their man, a convicted felon named Raymond Samuels, who was already serving a 29-year prison sentence in Ohio for attempted murder and kidnapping. 31-year-old Samuels had been a transient at the time of Wineski's murder, with no prior arrests in Florida. He was in St. Petersburg for less than two months in the same time frame as Sarah's murder. While incarcerated, his DNA was loaded up into the authorities' database. Despite the uncanny overlap, though, authorities were hesitant to proceed immediately with charges. But as further DNA testing was carried out, Samuel's genetic material was found not only at the crime scene, but also on the belt used to strangle Sarah. According to police major Mike Kovacev, this breakthrough in evidence allowed them to finally press charges. He said there were no witnesses, so we had to let the forensic evidence speak for itself. Samuels went on to be booked into the Pinellas County Jail, where he'll likely spend the rest of his life Yet, the long-awaited justice for Sarah was a bitter pill for her family to swallow. Candace Chessman, her daughter, spoke out about her mother's death. She wrote in an email to the Tampa Bay Times, We have wonderful memories of her, and her murderer stole the hope that we all carried in our hearts that we would have the chance to make more memories with her someday. Chessman added that despite Sarah's situation at the time of her death, She refuses to let her mother be a voiceless victim and asserted her life was not a waste, not something anyone had the right to take from her. Despite someone's conditions, it's important to remember that behind every crime statistic is a person with a story, a family left behind, and a legacy that deserves justice. Luckily, Sarah got hers. Number four. Crystal Bezlanowich. On a frigid December evening back in 1995 in the quiet city of Salt Lake City, Utah, Tracy Bezlanowich headed eight, out from her story. home where she lived with her boyfriend Chris intending to grab a quick right bite out. at the local Circle K. But as the clock hands ticked away, Chris found himself starting to worry. from Tracy She never returned home. Taking matters into his own hands, Chris scoured the neighborhood and the Circle K to look for her, but his frantic search turned up no sign of the girl. Tracy had seemingly vanished into the thin winter air. But of course, something much more sinister transpired. It was the following morning, approximately 45 miles from Salt Lake, a local rancher and his son stumbled upon a gruesome sight. the lifeless body of a young woman. She was found completely naked along the banks of a river, laying among several bloody rocks that were scattered around her body. The authorities were immediately alerted. Crime scene technicians collected the ominous rocks, suspecting them to be the murder weapon. Near the crime scene, a pair of neatly folded socks were found, which is a bizarre and eerie detail to this case. The victim, though, remained unidentified, carrying no belongings. The only marks on her to figure out who she was were her tattoos, one of which was a heart inked onto her left breast. Upon seeing the news, Tracy's boyfriend, Chris, immediately recognized the description of the tattoos and identified the victim as his missing girlfriend. But there was still a bigger twist in this tale. The police contacted Tracy's father who in a shocking revelation corrected the misidentification because the victim wasn't Tracy. It was Crystal Bezlanowich, his stepdaughter, who for whatever reason often used Tracy's identity, at least according to her stepfather. Suddenly then, suspicion turned towards Chris as it appeared he had lied to police about the woman's identity. If he had lied about that, What else could he be concealing? Over Chris's involvement in the case quickly became doubtful. He was financially dependent on Crystal, and without even a car to his name, how could he possibly murder her and transport her body 45 miles away? The plot thickened three days later when authorities discovered a local taxi driver named Herb Fry. Fry, infamously known for his infatuation with Crystal by many, once ominously claimed, if I can't have her, nobody can. Despite the chilling statement though, no forensic evidence linked either Chris or Herb to Crystal's murder. Fast forward then to 2008, advanced forensic science managed to retrieve partial unknown male DNA from the rocks near her body. Neither Chris's nor Herb's DNA matched this profile, leading the investigation back to square one. In 2013, though, new hope emerged. The MVAC system, an advanced because DNA extraction tool, DNA was introduced. Resembling a miniature hurricane, this tool would help collect DNA material from surfaces in a revolutionary way. The system was applied to the bloody rocks found at the murder scene, and for the first time, they retrieved a full DNA profile. This profile was run through the combined DNA index system which led them to a man named Joseph Simpson. Until that point, Simpson had never even been on the investigator's radar, let alone considered a suspect. On September 29th of 2016, after a long and convoluted pursuit of justice, the jury found Simpson guilty for the murder of Crystal, and it was all thanks to the MVAC technology that finally delivered justice for her family about this crucial piece of technology, it's plausible that Simpson might still be walking free. The mystery of Crystal's untimely death would remain unsolved. Number three, the murder of Anna Palmer. cold case that started on September 10th of 1998 took 13 years to solve. It was a brutal and horrific case, but... Thanks to DNA technology advancements, at least there is some sense of closure. Once again in Salt Lake, on that day, 10-year-old Anna Palmer called her mother Nancy to ask if she could play outside. She told her it was fine as long as she stayed close to the house, but that wasn't enough to keep her safe when a predator saw an opportunity and pounced. In the early evening, upon arriving home, the girl's lifeless body was found by her mother on their front porch. Her small body bearing the shocking signs of a vicious attack. She had been sexually assaulted, and there were five stab wounds to her throat, one of which had severed her spinal cord. It was like the earth had swallowed us whole, recalled a neighbor, Rebecca Sterling. We had our lights on all night, helicopters overhead. It was like daylight in the dead of night. But as she valiantly fought for her life, the girl unknowingly left behind critical clues about her killer. Clues that remained invisible to investigators for over a decade. Despite the trauma that had befallen the community, detectives found themselves at an impasse. There were no witnesses, scan evidence, and no immediate suspects. This killer struck fear in the hearts of Salt Lake City residents. How could the safety of a young girl at her own house be so cruelly violated? The idea that her mother had to find her was a complete nightmare. As years rolled by without any breakthroughs, the investigators decided to turn to Sorenson Forensics in 2009. Clothes and body swabs, evidence once considered inconclusive, were re-examined. But the key that would finally unlock this cold case came from an unlikely source. Palmer's own fingernails. We thought the victim's nails might have some DNA that wasn't hers, said Dan Helwig, a Sorensen forensics analyst. And his intuition proved to be correct because after painstakingly examining the clippings under visible and alternative light sources, they found an Anomaly a DNA profile that did not belong to Palmer. And then, a match. The DNA belonged to Matthew Breck, a man who at the time of Palmer's murder lived just a block away. He likely saw her from his window, knew the mother's work habits, and perhaps had fantasized for years about committing his crime. A man like that is bound to commit more crimes than Matt in 2009 was serving a 10-year sentence in Idaho for a sex-related crime involving a child. Salt Lake City District Attorney Sim Gill said, The DNA was our light in the darkness. It allowed us to identify the monster hiding in our midst. Breck was charged in 2010, and by 2011 he pleaded guilty to aggravated murder. He was sentenced to life in prison sentence he would not have faced if the evidence hadn't been uncovered, as his prior Idaho sentence was nearing completion. Justice was done. The person responsible is being held accountable, said Nancy, her voice tinged with the relief of closure after more than a decade of uncertainty. And a Palmer had unknowingly captured the vital evidence under her nails as she fought back her attacker. Her struggle brought justice to her case and continues to shine a beacon of hope to other cold cases. Science continues to aid in solving many cold cases, and Sorensen Forensics alone has aided in 150 of them from about 24 agencies, about 60 of which have either been solved or are going through the court system. Number 2. Murder of Genevieve Zittricki In the early hours of April 6 of 1990, a chilling crime was committed in Greenville, South Carolina. In an apartment complex known then as Hidden Lakes, a systems programmer for Michelin, Genevieve Jenny Zittricky, was brutally beaten, strangled, and sexually assaulted as she slept in her own home. The 28-year-old Ohio native, recent divorcee, and described "fireball" by her brother Philip go on to be found submerged in her bathtub two days later by a maintenance worker. The grisly crime scene displayed a sadistic brutality. Her killer had not only murdered Jenny in her bedroom, but also took the time to drag her lifeless body through the apartment to the bathroom, submerging her in water to wash away any physical evidence. The trail of blood leading from the bedroom to the bathroom was a grim testament to the viciousness of her attacker. A pair of pantyhose tied around her neck had been used to drag her. The contents of her purse emptied into the sink filled with water, yet nothing was stolen. As the police started investigating, they found themselves in the dark searching for a phantom. Everybody was looking for patterns, recalled Bush Banton, the detective leading the investigation back then. Despite over 150 leads, nothing concrete was discovered to nail down the perp, and so the case gradually grew cold. For nearly 30 years then, the identity of Jenny's killer remained a mystery. The breakthrough came eventually from using the services provided by Parabon Nanolabs, a company specializing in advanced DNA processing. The Greenville PD, working alongside authorities in Tennessee, would finally unveil the monster behind the horrific crime, and it was a bad man, Robert Eugene Brashers. Brashers was no stranger to law enforcement. In fact, he had been on their radar since he was charged with the beating and shooting of a woman in Port St. Lucia, Florida. After serving three and a half years in prison, Brashers was released in 1989. Less than a year later, he would go on to commit the atrocious crime against Jenny. But perhaps the most interesting thing about this case is that Jenny's murder wasn't Brasher's last. As investigators delved deeper into the man's past, they found a blood trail leading across four states. He continued his violent spree, committing a series of murder and assaults on women and children. In total, he killed three people, though it's believed there were more. In 1999, police officers noticed a stolen vehicle parked outside a Super 8 motel in Kenneth, Missouri, and inquired with the staff as to who it belonged to. As it turned out, it was Robert who drove it along with his wife, daughter, and two stepdaughters. Police knocked on his door, gunshots rang out. The man held his family hostage for hours before he decided to finally release them. After that, he shot himself. For six days at the hospital, he clung on before eventually passing away. Thanks to Parabon, investigators were able to match DNA samples obtained from Brashers' surviving family members with evidence collected from multiple crime scenes. With this, irrefutable proof in hand authorities finally closed the book on the cold case of Jenny Zittricki and linked Brashers to several other crimes as mentioned. While his suicide meant that he would never face justice for his crimes, the closure brought some solace to the victims' families, particularly to Jenny's brother Philip, who stated, None of these efforts can bring Jenny back. And we can only hope that this day brings peace to her soul and peace to our family. Number one BTK Killer. Throughout the history books of American crime, few names evoke the terror associated with Dennis Rader, the infamous serial killer who identified himself as Bind, Torture, Kill, or simply BTK. For over three decades, Rader's grotesque crimes cast a grim shadow over Wichita, Kansas, creating a vortex of fear from which the city has never truly escaped. By 2004, BTK had been silent for 13 years, his trail cold and seemingly forgotten by the world. That year marked the 30th anniversary of his first known crime, the horrifying Attero family murders. Four Parents Joseph and Terro Julie, family along, family along with their nine-year-old son and 11-year-old daughter were killed January inside 15, their home. They were then discovered by the three older children in the family when they got home from school media stirred up old stories, speculating the killer may have either died or been imprisoned. And Raider, unable to bear the thought of his horrific legacy being forgotten, made the grave mistake of resurfacing, igniting a deadly game of cat and mouse that would lead to his downfall. Although by all accounts, he seems to like the idea, not necessarily of being caught, but at least as being known for what he had accomplished. Ten murders in total. Rader, throughout his career, had always taunted TV and news outlets, but went silent in 1991, only to begin to communicate once more in 2004, taunting authorities with 10 chilling messages over 11 months. A key player in this grim correspondence was Wichita Police Lieutenant Ken Lanwer, a dedicated officer who had been tirelessly hunting BTK. Raider believed he had a rapport with Lanwer, so much so that he asked the officer if it was possible to communicate via a floppy disk without it being traced. Lanwer, seeing an opportunity, told him it was safe. The strategic lie would eventually trap Raider in his own web of deceit. When a disk arrived from BTK, it was quickly traced to Raider's local church, leading to his inevitable arrest. Rader, displaying his inflated sense of self-worth and invulnerability, was shocked at what he perceived as Lanwer's betrayal. ''I need to ask you, Ken,'' he said during interrogation. ''How come you lied to me?'' The unflappable Lanwer simply replied, ''Because I was trying to catch you.'' Rader's arrest on February 25th 2005 shocked the community of Wichita. The man they knew as a church president and seemingly ordinary neighbor was in fact the merciless BTK. Raider confessed to 10 counts of first-degree murder on June 27th of 2005, offering a twisted insight into his dual life as a cold-blooded killer and a nice guy. His testimony revealed a darkly distorted belief system. He spoke of his victims serving him in the afterlife as sex slaves revealed how he photographed their bodies for his own perverse satisfaction, and explained how his double life enabled him to commit such heinous crimes without experiencing guilt. When family members of his victims called him a coward, Rader appeared visibly upset, but this was in stark contrast to the narcissistic final statement he delivered to the court, likening his situation to that of his victims. Rader was given 10 consecutive life sentences escaping the death penalty due to Kansas reinstating capital punishment after his crimes were committed. Raider, the monster who once stalked the shadows of Wichita, now resides in a cell at the El Dorado Correctional Facility, isolated from other inmates for his own safety. Now, 78 years old, his once grandiose life as BTK is now reduced to the bare minimum, a solitary existence is a fitting end for a man who spent decades <inaudible> making others fear for their lives. So, like I said, guys, sad and twisted stories, but at least they've all been solved, which is a lot more than we can say for many murders. More than 50 percent, in fact, go unsolved. And while you may think that all these advancements in technology would increase the likelihood of a murder being solved, it's the exact opposite. As year over year, the stats go down. And it's not because there are more murders. 70s, 80s, and 90s at almost twice the amount as we do today. So that's some interesting info to digest and wonder why. That's going to do it, guys, for this Patreon-only patrons episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and all the support. Really appreciate it. I'll see you all soon.